At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hmm? Ah! Huh. everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Wendy. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the Netflix show Ozark. Today we are covering Season 4, Episode 8, The Cousin of Death. Dark title, huh? Yeah. <laughs> dark title, dark episode. So what was your overall thoughts about it? I mean, I, I really, I enjoyed this episode. Uh, it jumped right in exactly where we left off with the mid-season uh, finale when uh, Ruth confronted Marty and Wendy there at their house. So this is like right after she left and we kind of see um, their dialogue after that. So I liked that they didn't, you know, that there wasn't like a, a, a time jump or anything there that we just kind of picked right up. I liked that in this episode, there wasn't um, not that I don't enjoy these things in, in the whole myriad of, of um, things that happened during the episodes, but there wasn't a lot of the bird kids. There were no FBI agents, no, not a lot of supporting characters. It had a really tight focus that I liked. So this was a you know very tight, I think, narrative episode that I, I really enjoyed. Um, I really thought, and this is something I think happens often, and I don't think I've talked about it when we did our recap episode last week. One of the things that they do so great and makes, I think, this show intense for me anyway, I'll just speak for myself, in the opening scene with the Bird family, it just really resonated with me. And and like I said, it's not like the first time they've done it, but for some reason, it just really stuck out to me. This episode was how in the background, there's not any music. There's just this thump of like a heartbeat. I think that that really amps up the intensity uh, in the show for me. And it just kind of reminds you of like, what's at stake? And that's life, right? Mm -hmm. A heartbeat means life. And I really enjoyed this episode. I think for me, it like all of these things could happen. You know, it was like real dialogue. It felt real. The only unrealistic part of the episode for me was when Ruth found parking in Chicago during the day. <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and it just happened to be across from the building that she needed to be at. Yeah. I was like, no way is that happening. No way. That's, that's unreal. They had that all marked off, I'm sure, for filming. Other than that, I, it felt very real, very, just a very dark, deep episode watching Ruth on her journey. What about you? I had written down that it was very Ruth-centric episode. Mm -hmm. The actress, Julia Garner, mm -hmm. she is just That's amazing. True. She definitely deserves a Golden Globe for this series and probably this last few episodes that we've watched. Mm -hmm. She is amazing. I thought that in some ways it was kind of a slow burn episode because mm -hmm. we're watching her and her thought processes and her grief and her struggles, but we didn't see a lot of action, although certainly the events that happened were really noteworthy and important. I don't want to say that it was boring or anything like that at all. It right. wasn't. 
But it was a bit of a slow burn, especially for a season, I guess, you know, this the second part of the season premiere. But I loved it. Ruth just is so captivating every time she's on the screen. So no complaints from me. That's awesome. Yeah, I agree. It was very even paced. But yeah, like I said, not boring. There wasn't a ton of, uh, of action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, still not still not boring. I was still very captivated. Uh, because I do I do love Ruth. And she is one of my favorite her and Marty are both my favorite characters on the show. So it was captivating to watch her on screen. She's such a a, a brilliant actress. I think she's one. I, I don't have it written down, but I know. I think pretty sure she's written, been awarded a couple of Emmys for her performance. She definitely deserves an Emmy for this season, and like you said, a Golden Globe too. She she deserves all the awards. She's she's so great. Um, how she can yes go from it's like she's she's living all the stages of grief in this in this episode. Mm-hmm. I was really fearful the entire episode as well. I was worried that she was going to die oh, yeah. or. She was going to kill herself. Yeah. At every turn, I was just really worried for her because it certainly felt final in some ways. You could see it could go in either direction. Mm-hmm. There were parts of it where she was definitely making actions that were self-preservating. Mm-hmm. So I thought even though she's in that grief, she's still thinking about the future and she's still protecting herself. But then at other times, she was throwing all of that to the wayside. And I thought, oh, she's going to die. I know. And I so want her not to die. I know. Yeah, my husband watched it with me and he said the same thing. He's like, I'm afraid she's going to die and I love her. I'm fearful for sure. Mm -hmm. We should probably jump in because I feel like we're going to start going to our points very much so. So let's let's go ahead and jump into our points. Do you want to start this week? You want to start with your number five? I will start. I'll just talk about Javi. Just pull the bandaid off. Hey, he's my number number five too. We'll just, yeah, let's just go into into him. Start off. He's really almost on a rampage. Mm -hmm. This only served to show the audience that Javi is never going to be even a little bit reliable. Even as far as a drug cartel. Right. (laughs) As reliable as one can be, right? (laughs) Right. Wendy and Marty, and even for that matter, the FBI will never be able to count on anything this guy says. I agree. He makes promises and breaks them immediately. Mm -hmm. He is double tracking on every deal he has made. He wants to renegotiate his deal with Shaw already. He's looking to fuck over Navarro on the money that he set aside for his kids. Nothing is sacred to this guy. Mm -hmm. He's on this just violent rampage and expects Marty and Wendy to clean up all his messes. And I know Navarro was a scary guy. Yeah. He certainly killed and did really horrible things. To a certain extent, you expected him to do what was right for the business or for, you know, the cartel. And Javi just seems to just give no fucks. I agree. Omar was, I felt anyway, and maybe some might disagree with me, an honorable criminal. I mean, he seemed to keep his word. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like you were saying, Javi just doesn't. He just kind of flies off the handle or else says one thing and does another. So like I said, not trustworthy at all and can't really count on what he's going to do or what he may not do and holding up his word. So I I feel like Omar, yes, extremely dangerous, definitely had people killed or killed people himself. 
but he seemed to like when he said something and he said like this is my word or this is what I'm going to do that he did it so very Mm -hmm. very different I feel at least I don't think it's any less dangerous to deal with Omar however I do feel if he said he was going to do something or not do something you could take him at his word whereas Javi was very unstable yeah so yeah I agree with what you said it seemed to be more important for Javi to flex his power, mm-hmm. to stay in the penthouse, yeah. to get revenge on the teacher who didn't respect him, mm-hmm. than it is for him to make the best decisions for his people, for his future. This is not a guy that's going to last long in any place that he's in. I mean, you can only act this way for so long before everybody is against you. Mm-hmm. He tells his mother that he isn't going to lose his kingdom, which really shows you where he's at. He thinks he's a king and that he's untouchable. Yeah, that is true. I thought his conversation with his mother was pretty telling as well. You start making those phone calls, man, and it just doesn't (laughs) (laughs) doesn't go well (laughs) for you. His mom seems to have no problem with him being a murdering monster, running a drug cartel, or plotting against her brother. Yeah. But she draws the line with him running around with women. Yeah. that's That was her advice. Be, don't be slutty. Be a good boy. Don't go running around <laughs> with women. But, uh, you know, taking take everything that your uncle's worked hard for and, you know, turning against him. That's totally fine. And killing people. Do what you gotta do. Boys will be boys. <laughs> <laughs> right. Javi seems to want legitimate respect. Like, mm-hmm. it was important for him. He was upset that his teacher didn't allow him to have a legitimate contribution. Yeah. And he was also upset that he wants real stock options in the Shaw Medical Group. He's just not living in reality that your power stems from being the leader of a drug cartel. Right. And with that comes that you're not a respectable businessman. Exactly. I'm having all those same thoughts and have same things in my notes. Javi, who I keep calling him discount Lalo because I'm also watching Better Call Saul and it's so strange watching Better Call Saul with those characters and then watching Ozark and I don't mean that to throw shade at all because I think the char- the actor who's playing Javi I don't have his name in front of me so that's that I really need to get learn these guys names I think he's doing a great job I think he's really servicing the character I think it's more of a writer's flaw with Javi that I compare and it, again because I'm watching Better Call Saul right now but yeah Javi's like if you ordered Lalo from Wish that's what you got was Javi um, it really shows to Javi's arrogance that he in such a powerful position, but yet he doesn't have like a bodyguard with him or any type of security. He's just walking around freely that Ruth is able to to get to him in that way. In a way, he's just walking around uh, Chicago. It really shows, I think, how untouchable and powerful, I guess, he thinks that mm-hmm. he is or to not anticipate, I guess, a little bit better the risk when Wendy calls him to the office. And I'll talk about this with Ruth too, where I think Ruth kind of views herself. I think Javi is kind of also on the same line of Ruth where he's on this other side and he's sick of being treated like a a dirty secret. It's like you said, he talks to his professor who kind of treats him like less than like he's good enough to give his money, but not good enough to put his name up on a building, which like you said, is completely, I mean, that's just not real. Like you said, I mean, 
who in their right mind is going to put a leader of a drug cartel on the name of their building? Clearly, that's going to expose and make everything fall apart. And Javi went to business school. He went to, was it Northwestern? I think he said to business school, you know, to kind of help the family business and to kind of learn business. I'm like, did you learn anything when you were in business school? Because that's not good. Clearly, this is not going to work for that business. If you're hoping to have any type of legitimate business, he mentioned having a tile company and that's that was his link with the professor. Well, I mean, it was his former professor, but that was kind of his link to have his tile company used for like school projects or rebuilds or just whatever that they were doing. They used his business. So it sounds like that they have some actual legitimate businesses and I'm sure most of them are fronts for the cartel and laundering money or just whatever. It's like, he's not happy with that. And it really kind of shows. And again, you mentioned the penthouse, you know, I thought that was, you know, he just wants this show, like I'm worthy. And I feel like if you have to keep telling people that you're worthy of these things or being a showman, then you're really not seems to have some insecurity. I I think around that it was just a good demonstration when he goes to the washroom and just beats the hell out of that professor doesn't even give that guy time to think about it. He just totally just starts smashing his head into that urinal. And he was tired of being ignored and underestimated, I think. Mm -hmm. And he just went off and he's so unpredictable. I mean, he, what he went off and did to Wyatt and to Darlene and then this, he's just unpredictable, unstable. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't expecting it to happen this episode, but I did think Javi wasn't too long for the world. He killed Darlene and Wyatt didn't worry about cleaning up the crime scene at all. Yeah, just have Marty and Marty that's do it. beneath him. <laughs> yeah. And we think that's going to work out well. Didn't even tell them ahead of time so maybe they could be prepared. Yeah to clean up that crime scene just kind of does that after the fact. Yeah, like give them a heads up and maybe before they're found by someone else because then Ruth found them and now she's on a rampage. I'm thinking someone else might stumble upon this scene before, you know, Marty and Wendy can even do anything about it. And again, not having people with him. I mean, even Dell back in season one had people with him. He had like bodyguards or I don't know if they were bodyguards, but they were with him and in the cartel, I'm guessing, worked for him, with him, whatever. If you're going to go off some people, then have a plan. You know, have some people with you. And if you want to leave, fine, but hey, clean this up. Right. You can't act this way for very long before the whole world wants you dead. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he's already in a precarious position just being head of a cartel. That's just, I feel like, a dangerous position to be in anyway, to be flying off the handle like that. Right. He thinks that Marty and Wendy are just going to do his bidding forever just because of who he is. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody has their limit yeah. to what they can face and do. You're so right. All right. How about your next point? Well, Javi was my number five. I thought it was it would be prudent to talk about him before we talk about what happens to him later. I know we've kind of mentioned it, but, you know, to kind of talk a little bit more about it. I wanted to talk about how this episode kind of gave us a little bit of insight to Javi. I mean, I, I felt he was very unpredictable and arrogant, but this, I think, kind of demonstrated at least where some of this was rooted from, kind of going back to his college days and probably how he's felt since his uncle's been running the cartel and how he's been kind of kept, oh, yeah, you know, you're good and all but you're just gonna work behind the scenes and just do what I tell you and he's gotten power hungry and it caught up with him that was my number five too was was hobby I guess my number four would be Wendy for all that she's really just awful in this episode (laughs) yep She's also masterful. Mm -hmm. She so easily tricks Javi to come to Claire's office. She just turns it on and off like that. And it's amazing to watch. 
And part of that is that Javi is reckless and not careful. But she knows. She knows what to say and how to say it to manipulate him and get him in that office. And she doesn't even think twice about it. Just picks up that phone and turns the Wendy on. And it really is amazing. It is amazing to see my second watch when she picks up the phone. You know, when someone can say something to you on the phone and you can kind of hear their smile if you will, or you can, Mm -hmm. how it changes the tone. If someone is like something good news or something and they're smiling and happy about it versus if they're just sad and they say the same thing, you can just really hear that. And she was able to, Oh, this is good news. Like, Oh, she's, she's drafting the papers, you know, I'm going to put on the champagne. You can really hear it in her voice. That was just an amazing flip that she was able mm-hmm. to turn that on. You're, you're so right about that. I was, I've made a point about that in, in my notes that she was able to just flip that. Yep. Good old Wendy. <laughs> Not our good Wendy. No. The Ozark Wendy. No, but this She's- Wendy is fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> you're fascinating too, but you're fascinating <laughs> in a good way. Not in a like, Oh, yeah. she is like completely ruthless and yeah. Oy, she's, she's, it's been an amazing journey watching Wendy for sure. And number four, I'm just going to jump right in. I want to talk about Ruth. As we were talking about when we started recording here, kind of talking about our feelings on the episode and about how this was a very Ruth-centric episode, getting to watch Ruth and her journey uh, through her grief, experiencing her grief, it felt really real. It felt, like you said, Julia Garner is such an amazing actress, and I felt like I was right there with her. I, I felt like I was going through that with her. You know, I liked Wyatt okay. I wasn't attached to him or anything. I mean, I I thought it was really sad, but I was more sad because of how it was going to affect Ruth. Not so much that I was just sad that he was gone. I more just felt bad for her, you know, feeling like I was kind of going through those stages with her and kind of what it meant. Because I mean, I have close family. I don't have a really large family. I have my family is kind of a, a small family and I have a cousin that I'm really close to. And, you know, I know what that relationship is like, you know, where they're like your best friend. You spend a lot of time with them. You feel like you can tell them anything. You know, I liked like flashbacks that we got where her and Wyatt were on the roof of one of the trailers and they're kind of, you know, they're just smoking some pot and hanging out like they do and playing a game. I think that hit it even harder, the loss that, that Ruth has, because they're, they're kind of planning what they'll do if when they're rich, you know, just kind of having that conversation like you do and, you know, oh, we're going to have a swimming pool and oh, we'll have to do this and oh, we're, we're going to have that. So it was interesting and, and she's listening to the soundtrack that kind of fuels her and it kind of goes, she goes through like an anger phase, sad phase, and then she gets through the phase where she's kind of stealing herself for what she needs to do when she gets to Chicago. So she's listening to the album Elmatic from Nas, um, which I'll be the first to admit. I, I love a lot of music, but I'm not a big fan of like rap or hip hop. I am not familiar with this album at all. I listened to um, some of the songs for this and I was listening to the lyrics and thought it was really interesting. And this is, I guess, considered one of like the best rap albums ever. And I guess they use a, a lot of this type of rap and hip hop because Ruth's a fan of it. But anyway, it's some of the lyrics in the music. And when she's having that conversation with, uh, which I know we'll talk about the uh, killer Mike, when she meets him in that cafe, they're talking about like where he grew up in the projects of Queens overlooking Manhattan. I feel like that's kind of how Ruth kind of feels that was to put it in perspective for us where she's looking from her view at all the power players like Wendy and Javi and Marty. She's kind of tired of of being told what to do. She's always in the background. I feel like that kind of echoes a little bit of where 
she's at as well. And she's kind of like, I'm just not going to take it anymore. And I'm tired of, you know, like when Marty's like, go home. And she's like, obviously, she's not going to do that. But she's always just been kind of manipulated throughout this whole series. She's tired of kind of being on that side of the line. Kind of like where Javi was at too, you know, where he's really making his power play. This was Ruth putting that out there too, I think. So yeah, it was, and then thinking about how she had that moment with him on the roof of the trailer and then goes to a scene where she's there by herself, putting his spirit to rest is kind of what it felt like, you know, knowing now that those days are gone now that Wyatt's dead. I was wondering about that scene. I know they have several flashbacks. One is which when they're little kids and the Mm -hmm. other is... It could have been within the time of the show, but in a different time when they were probably still living together before she had to tell Wyatt that she killed his dad, when things were less complicated between the two of Mm -hmm. them. But then there's a scene towards the very end where she's sitting on the roof by herself in a blue plaid shirt. Mm -hmm. And I was just wondering where you thought that scene fell because then it flashes back to her being in the car again. So maybe that could have been a flash forward to her just being up there thinking about Wyatt. It could have been a flash forward that maybe we haven't seen or maybe we won't see. I feel like we we got a flash forward with the season four, episode one with the car crash. So, you know, we haven't seen that happen yet. Right. And I'm assuming it will. Otherwise, why would they bother putting it out there? Um, right, so just to fuck with us. They, you know what? <laughs> I really wouldn't be that surprised. Um, I was thinking it's probably a flash forward. I was a little bit confused, mm-hmm. though. But I feel like on my second watch, that's where I kind of resolved. I was like, it just must be a flash forward. We're just not mm-hmm. seeing it yet. Because, yeah, then they flat they had her right back there in the car in Chicago and she left. And I was like, oh, well, crap. You know, when did that take place? But I feel like that's the scene anyway, is it supposed to be now she's home and put a spirit to rest. Yeah. I think if, if anything, this will be a tougher time because up until now, she's just been living for vengeance. Mm-hmm. I have to have vengeance. I have to kill this guy who wronged me. Mm-hmm. Now she's done that. Now what? Yeah, because Darlene's dead and they were all working together. She was kind of working with Darlene and her business to launder the money. Doesn't look like she's going to be working with Marty and Wendy anytime soon. You know, things are very contentious, especially with Wendy. My goodness, the looks exchanged (sighs) between those two. Yes. I mean, (laughs) I I had a note about that where they're in the car Mm -hmm. driving to Claire's office. Ruth is in the back seat. Wendy's in the front seat. And that music, the Naz music is playing in the background. Wendy turns around and looks at Ruth and Ruth just stares at her. There's so much there. So much said with like no words at all. I mean, Uh wow. Those two, I mean, just such powerhouse acting on this show. It's so fantastic. You cannot fault the acting on the show so much. Seems like she's pretty much had it with with Marty too. But I know with Wendy, she's definitely, I don't think going to have anything to do with her. So I don't know what would be next for Ruth. She seems to be forming a stronger relationship with Frank Jr. from the Casey mob. Yeah. I mean, he's really helping her. Yeah. I like that scene with them. And too. he's almost giving her advice. Like it's just murder. Just, just do it while you're breathing and then just come home and I'll buy you a drink. Don't get in your head about it. Just, <laughs> and I'm thinking what great advice, yeah. you know, why not? <laughs> she was my number four. I'll just pick up from there. Cause I have so much about Ruth. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. Right. She, she really talks some hard truths about Wendy and Marty. She calls Wendy soulless, mm-hmm. a predator, 
And she calls them out for being the crap parents they are. Yeah. Of all the people in the world, she's got Wendy's number and Wendy knows it. Wendy can't pretend, she can't convince, she can't manipulate. Ruth has got her number and there's nothing Wendy can do about that. Which is why I think she's so dangerous to Wendy and Wendy was just basically ready to get rid of her in this episode. Yes, yes. It was hard to, well, I don't think you really could disagree with anything that Ruth was saying. I think she knew Wendy and has figured her out. I think Wendy did not like that at all. It was like when she, there at the end, right when she was getting ready to call a hobby, she's like, okay, Mm -hmm. that's enough. You know, as she's saying all of that in front of the CEO there of of Shaw uh, Farms, Claire, Claire Shaw, you know, she's saying all that in, in front of her, like, that's not good. She doesn't need, I mean, clearly she has a little bit of visibility mm-hmm. into who she's working with, but I don't know that she knows the true depths of of how far they are in or how ruthless Wendy truly is. So I think she did not appreciate all of that being spilled. Definitely no love lost between those two right now. No. Those were pretty spot on when she was talking about Wendy. She says some things about Marty. I, it's hard to disagree with her. Marty's been forced to make some really hard choices, but I do think Marty cares about Ruth and showed that he cared about Ruth. I mean, he could have just let her go. Yeah. He he was actively trying to help her when when he saw her on the street with them. Yep. He discreetly called her while Wendy and Claire yeah, he didn't tell. couldn't hear yeah. him and was trying mm-hmm. to get her out of harm's way. But in some ways, I think that is selfish as well because Marty feels tremendous amount of guilt because he knows that he is at least partially responsible for where Ruth is in her life right now. If Marty yeah. had never gotten her involved, she would probably not be in this place that she's at. And little by little, everybody that Ruth has cared about has gotten killed. And Marty feels a lot of guilt about that. And he says at one point, he says, I'm I'm really sorry. I think he says, I'm really sorry for getting you involved in all of this. At the same time, there's a lot of things that Ruth is saying about Marty that is true. I mean, he has yeah. gotten his children involved in all of this. He does try to talk and manipulate his way out of every situation. And I think Ruth says that. Ruth says, I used to love to hear you talk because damn, is Marty a good talker. Oh my gosh. You know, when she said that, I was like, oh, I'm the same. I love mm-hmm. to hear Marty talk. The way that he can really talk people in or it's out his of gift. is just... It Mm -hmm. is his gift. I mean, that's what's got him out of the very first episode of the show. Uh, You know, he talked his way out of getting killed. You and I talked about it Mm -hmm. in our recap, you know, how well he was able to, you know, like, oh, shit, they're getting ready to put a bullet in my head, too. And he's, well, wait a minute, I can do this for you, how he just comes up on the fly. So I'm with her. Um, I'm I'm not in the same state of mind as her. I still think it's amazing to watch him work, how he can talk. I think there's still something between the two of them, Ruth and Marty. There's still care between the two of them she's also in a really terrible place right now and so she's angry at both of them she's angry at at the world yeah but i hope that there is some part of that relationship that has been saved i hope for at least for those two like i said i don't know that there's ever going to be any relationship building between her and wendy ever again no and i and i think that because you know when she's on her way and Marty calls her and she sees it and she just like silences the phone. I'm not talking to you right now, Marty, because I think that she knows he might get through to her. Yes. And talk her out of it or change her mind. So she's like, nope, 
not because I know if I pick up the phone, you're going to talk me out of it. And she knows that there's a part mm-hmm. of her that might still, like you said, have that connection and or, or feel like he might be able to talk her out of it because of, of the relationship that they have. And that's why she doesn't pick up the phone. And when she does pick up the phone, when he calls her outside of the building without Wendy knowing, which I, again, it, I think does a lot of the things that she said about Marty is true, but I do still feel like he does care about her, mm-hmm. wants to protect her. And it's not just about protecting their relationship with the cartel or with Shaw. I do think when he was saying like, you don't want to become that person. He, he knows that Ruth is a really good person and that this is going to change her. This event is going to change her. I mean, losing Wyatt and then she murdered someone. And I mean, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't condone the act by any means, but I certainly understand the, the feeling and the rage that she had. If someone had done that to, to someone that I was so super close to and was trying to work to, you know, get them a better life. And, and it was just taken away from them because of their, not because of anything that he had done, but because he's in the wrong place at the wrong time, got involved with someone that he shouldn't have. And he was basically an innocent victim. Well, innocent in quotes. I don't know why it was not a perfect person. But in this instance, you know, just because he happened to be there yeah. with Darlene and associated with her, he was murdered. So I understand her feelings and wanting to lash out at that person that has murdered your family. It's going to change her, what she's done and what she's been through. And I think Marty was right. He's like, you don't want to do this. You know, this is, that's not who you are. And we don't want you to become this person that you're going to become when you do this. So I do think he, he does have like a genuine, there's like a, a father-daughter kind of relationship there with them. And what she said was true. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. All right. What's your next point? My next one, kind of short and sweet, but I wanted to just talk a little bit about the uh, Claire Shaw, the CEO of, of Shaw Pharmaceuticals. She must totally be rethinking this whole business involvement <laughs> that she's got herself into. It's Mm -hmm. like every time she thinks, okay, this is going to even out and it's going to work. There's something else because then here comes Javi. Oh, I want to renegotiate the terms of our arrangement. He starts talking about wanting some shares in the company and Mm -hmm. uh, oh, it's going to be fine. She's thinking this is you can't do this. I mean, she's thinking like there's no way there's no way I can have our business with your name involved at all. Again, the whole thing with the professor, you know, that what are you thinking? That would make everything crumble, how he thinks that that's going to be okay. And then she's hearing all of these as Ruth is like, telling these things about Wendy and Marty and Wendy specifically. And she's, you know, you can see her kind of get like looking at Wendy, like, what the hell? Like, is that true? Ruth showed up at dinner. She's got to be thinking what have I gotten myself into? And not only that, there at the end, after Javi had been killed and he's laying there on the floor and just with the methodical way that Wendy and Marty start grabbing like towels and cleaner, <laughs> they're just like, oh. It's not their first time at the rodeo. And she's just sitting there and, and like, what the hell just happened? She's definitely got, I feel like before this, she was fairly legitimate. I don't remember, for some reason, I'm thinking that something might've come up when they were first introduced. I don't know if there was any backhanded dealings or if she was hundred percent clean and on the up and up before she got involved with Wendy and Marty. Um, but I feel like she was a fairly legitimate businesswoman, and, and now someone was just shot in front of her. She's probably right. completely in shock over what just happened in front of her. What is really telling here is Wendy immediately implicates her in this murder. She's like, you know, now she is a part of this and she's got to get dirty now in order to survive. And Wendy just totally secured the leverage that she needed to continue this business. Mm -hmm. Because I was 
starting to get confused about why, because they were like, well, everything's going to fall apart and everything that we've worked for. And this is why this is all a bad idea. Ruth can't go after Javi and, and he's the key to all of it. You know, a lot of that is because Javi being dead would really throw a wrench in their plans. He is the one who his relationship depended on, you know, the Shaw medical and their political aspirations that they have and this money that the foundation was giving Wendy and Marty for this mm-hmm. foundation depended on Hobby, right? And his supply that he was providing for Shaw. And then of course, I mean, just killing anyone who's leading a drug cartel or in charge of a drug cartel. I mean, that's never good, right? Cause the cartel is always going to come after you, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so, and, it, and then everything's going to be super unstable. So of course, just that in of itself, it's putting them at risk. But I just thought it was really interesting how she's like throwing some towels or whatever at Claire. And she's like, we got to wipe everything down. Yep. So that immediately implicates her as well and secures that leverage because now Wendy will have something on her because she's implicated now and what what happened. Claire is just sinking further and further into this hole. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the premise either of why she got involved. I did think there was something shady about the reason why the company was going under and she felt like she had no other choice. It was something was happening. I know I know that there were some money troubles there. Like I don't know if it, I know it had a lot to do with like their supply and the cost of the supply not able to get their pharmaceutical drug out in time and they were going to go under if they didn't get it out. So many moving parts and so complicated and it happened I feel like forever ago. Mm-hmm. So I don't remember the exact details, but there was there was something there. And that's why Wendy was able to come in and be like, well, hey, we can get you supply and it can be super cheap and save you all this money. But in order to do that, you are going to work with us to give us the funding right. we need, you know, for our foundation. So, but yeah, I don't remember if it was a little skeezy on Claire's side or if it was just because she was vulnerable in her financial position. But either way, I feel like she probably wasn't involved in anything cartel, probably not murdering people or having to clean up dead bodies. Yeah. (laughs) So she's definitely she's definitely got her hands dirty now, whether she likes it or not. And she's always trying to make a stand on things, but she immediately cowers down to everything. So it means nothing. Once you're involved with them, it's like being a little bit pregnant. You're you're in. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's there's no little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not a little bit being not oh I'm a little pregnant. You're yep. <laughs> Yeah. I've heard that before. Just laugh at that. Yeah. Like, uh, you kinda are or you aren't. Yeah, she's in it now, whether she likes it or not. When you watch all of these shows, any show or movie about cartels, that's just kind of how it goes. Again, I, well, I don't want to talk about it because I'm afraid I might say something spoilery about Better Call Saul. <laughs> but anytime you watch something about cartels, it's like once you're in, you're in. And it's mm-hmm. the little choices that you make. You think they're, they're small, insignificant choices that you make that you can get back out of or something mm-hmm. or re- revert back or something and you can't once you start making these little decisions and then when with something like the cartel even a small involvement you're you're in and you're stuck right because just being involved with them implicates you and now they have something on you absolutely i don't know whether i should feel bad for claire or not she's made her decisions but uh i I do feel she's a little shell-shocked at the moment yeah My next one will be about Wendy. I have been a bit of a Wendy apologist up until Mm -hmm. now, but I think that's just over. She's just the worst (laughs) in this episode, and her true colors are really coming out. I think the biggest thing is she's just about actively seeking Ruth's death. Mm -hmm. Ruth has been a thorn in her side for a while, 
And while I don't think she would go out and kill Ruth, I think she almost welcomes getting rid of Ruth. And she really lays into Marty about protecting Ruth. Yeah. She she just wants to get rid of her problem. Marty draws a line in the sand and says he's not going to get Ruth killed. Mm-hmm. He won't do that. He calls Wendy emotional, which sets Wendy off. <laughs> and I, I think Wendy's right here. This, what, this is not Wendy being emotional. This is Wendy being a stone-cold killer. Yeah. Wendy justifies this as she says she would be getting herself killed. This is how Wendy goes to sleep at night. Yeah. She just wraps it around and makes it so that it's all justified. She says, I care about her too. She's just not thinking about what might happen to us. So self-centered. Yes. You do not care about her. And why would she be thinking about what happens to you? I mean, what have they... I get that, like, in the early days, there there was, and especially from probably Marty more than Wendy, the things that they've done for her. But it's like, well, really, your involvement in her life, look at where she's at now. Mm-hmm. So you can't, how can you demand any type of loyalty from her and, and expect that she would care about about you? And I know she tries to use, like, Jonah, too, because I think that they know that Ruth does care about Jonah and that they've bonded. Mm-hmm. I don't think Wendy truly cares about that. I think she's just trying to you know, say that to to get Ruth to do what she wants. Yep, it's just more Wendy manipulation. Yeah, for sure. Marty says, well, she's distracted. Her cousin just got murdered. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I thought that was really good. He just, everything's such a straight face. Well, her cousin just got Mm -hmm. murdered. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. just like. It's not just that her cousin got murdered. Like, this was her brother, her son almost. Like, this was the one thing that Ruth cared about in the whole world. Wendy shows up at Ruth's house to kind of throw her off Javi's track. And she just straight up lies to Ruth's face, telling her that Javi has gone to Mexico. And Ruth knows it's a lie. Later, when Ruth calls her out for that lie, Wendy just looks Ruth straight in the face and says, completely unapologetically, says, I lied. Yeah, she sure did. (laughs) So Wendy. So good, Laura Lenny, I swear. Like we talked about that look that they give each other in the car. There's so much there. So much. Yeah. So much said. I wonder, Javi's gone as the bad guy. I just wonder, is that the conflict that we're going to see in the next couple episodes? Wendy versus Ruth? I'm sure that's going to be part of it. I think there's going to be a lot more Mm -hmm. conflict. I mean, there's obviously going to be some fallout from Javi being killed. They still have the FBI to deal with. I mean, Omar, what's going to happen with Omar in jail? Will he get out or will he be working from jail to move and manipulate things or make things happen? Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think that, yes, that's going to be, I think, a big part of it are the birds. Yeah. And Ruth. It would seem like this would be a good thing for Omar that this now gives him more power with Javi being gone Mm -hmm. because they need him now. If they're going to have control over that cartel, the FBI or Wendy and Marty, whoever, they're going to need Omar to do that. I agree. Yeah. I think we're going to see Omar again probably really soon. Mm -hmm. We'll kind of see what happens. I just know not going to be good. Uh, whatever it is that yeah. happens, either for Ruth or for, for Wendy and Marty, it definitely puts them all in a really, really bad position. They better do some fast, fast thinking and talking. Whew. Well, <laughs> Wendy and Marty uh, were, they were one of my next points. So I'll, I'll shift them around just to kind of 
tag on to what you were saying. And in, in, in that scene, you were talking about uh, Marty calling uh, Wendy emotional. I have to kind of go with Wendy a little bit as uh, her reaction, because I really very much dislike when I'm when I'm told to calm down. Mm-hmm. And I don't like being told that I'm emotional. I feel like that's just something I will not say all men, because I know it's not all men, but some men, you know, just like to just call women emotional. Women do it to other women, too. Women do. Yeah, you're right. We're our own worst enemies. We are our own worst mm-hmm. enemies. You're right. It's not just some some men, women are not great about it either. I kind of felt her in that moment because I'm like, I don't like that being said to me. So I'm sure with Wendy, but it was, I kind of laughed because he's like, you're just being emotional. And she's like, are you fucking kidding me? And he's like, sorry. And she goes, I'll rip your tongue out of your mouth. You know, I go, well, now wait a minute. You just, that's emotional. Yeah. Now you're being emotional. Yeah. So I kind of laughed because I'm like, uh, you just said you weren't, but you just contradicted yourself. Wendy was right about one thing that I did agree with her on. I thought a lot of what she was saying, I'm like, Wendy, you're self-serving. You are just thinking about yourself. You don't care about Ruth at all. I think there is a little bit to her that she's trying to protect the family, but I think she just says that to make it sound like she's being upfront. And I, I don't think she is. When she told Marty, she's like, after all this time, you still don't understand people's will. And she was 100% right. Yeah. With that line. Because he's like, Ruth doesn't even know what he looks like. He, She doesn't even know how to find him. Yeah, right now she doesn't. But I think it's been fully demonstrated in, in the intensity of, of all of these episodes and all of these seasons. When there's a will, there's a way. Mm-hmm. And she, she was 100% on point with that because... Ruth did find a way mm-hmm. and her will pushed her to finding out, finding Javi and carrying out what she did. And even though she chickened out a couple of times, she kept daydreaming about it. And I wasn't sure she was going to go through with it. I was like, oh, maybe she won't. But man, she did. There was no thought to it. She just, the minute he walked in the room, bang, bang, bang. Yep. So I, I thought, I thought she was right on point with that. And I think at this point, Wendy and Marty, And even though I love Marty, I do think him right there along with Wendy are about protecting their interests first. It's it's deep and it's manipulative. They've gotten so embedded, I think, into this whole criminal world that they've associated themselves with that they don't even see themselves as criminals. They keep justifying what they do with all these empty promises. I do think Wendy has definitely, out of the two... She's definitely a lot more impulsive and she's definitely gotten more cold blooded. Mm -hmm. You know, Marty still has some heart there. I thought it was a little unfair for Ruth to say that he has no emotion. He's a cool cucumber Mm -hmm. for sure. I definitely admire. I I sit back in admiration some episodes and I'm like, I wish I had that level of composure (laughs) that that he has in these situations because he just seems so level headed and he stays cool. And his voice reflects that often when he's talking. I mean, it can be so freaking intense uh, of a scene or whatever's happening in that moment. And he can be so cool. But I thought it was a little bit unfair for her to say that he doesn't, maybe he doesn't show it, but I think there is emotion there. Mm -hmm. But I think it's definitely Wendy who's definitely over time when you watch her from the first episode to where we are now, she's definitely gotten a lot more cold blooded. I don't know. It was difficult to watch Wendy in this episode without thinking Ruth might just turn that gun on her. I thought she was going to there at the end. We kept talking about the looks and exchanges between Wendy and uh, Ruth in this episode. And man, that look Ruth gave her there at the end. I thought she was going to raise that gun and maybe turn on Wendy. And Wendy's not afraid. 
She shows zero mm-hmm. fear. Her fear is like, you're screwing up my deal. No fear for her life, yeah. which is amazing. It doesn't seem to. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't seem to. Yeah. I think Wendy, and maybe Marty too, but I think Wendy should especially. I wonder if, if she thought maybe Ruth was bluffing when she went ahead and she's like, fine, we'll just call Javi right now. I mean, it was going to definitely... I mean, maybe she didn't. Maybe she was like, oh, nope, she's just going to do it no matter what I say. She's going to do this. And she's determined to do it no matter what. So maybe she didn't. But I'm like, did she really think she was going to pull it off? And maybe she did because Marty's Marty's the one that knew she chickened out. She didn't tell Ruth or like, hey, Ruth showed up and was going to kill Javi, but she chickened out. So she didn't know. But she doesn't also know that she's been daydreaming about she was daydreaming about killing Javi. She daydreamed about killing Marty and Wendy when they were looking at at houses. So I, I think Wendy should should be very careful. Wendy seemed the least surprised when Javi got killed. Yeah. If you watch, I, I, I rewound mm-hmm. it a couple of times watching because my focus was on Ruth, the gun and Javi when he got shot. But if once you kind of get that in your brain, I went back and rewound it. If you watch their reactions, you know, Wendy, you know, they're, they're both kind of leaning up against the, the thing up there by the window and she just like turns her head. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marty jumps back like, oh my God, oh shit. And then Claire jumps back in her chair her, her chair shifts right. back like she kicked it with her legs and it scooted across the floor in shock and like, what the hell? But Wendy was just like, she just turned her head. Yeah, she didn't jump at all. So yeah, yeah. it's it's very telling. Yeah, very telling mm-hmm. when you watch their reactions, each, all three of them in that scene. I agree. When the deed happens. Yeah. You're, you're right. <laughs> you were spot on. I guess the only point I really have more about Ruth, her grief and her rage was so palpable in this episode. Just felt so sorry for Ruth. She begs Charlotte and Jonah to help her. And she's really begging. Just give me anything. Just help me. Yeah. So unlike her. Yeah. And they do. I was thinking Charlotte and Jonah have had to make some really crazy tough choices at such tender ages. But here they choose Mm -hmm. to help Ruth, even though might be getting Ruth killed, they might be getting other, they don't know what the implications of what they're doing are. It puts them at risk. But they know it could lead to very bad things. They've come to really care about Ruth, and they can see how distraught she is. And so they help her. And it seemed like the right thing to do. Yeah, so many things um, in that because yeah, if they help her and she's successful, then they're at risk. If they help her and she's either successful or gets caught, if Hobby happens to yep. spot her, catch her, whatever before she's able to do it, it could mean her death. So it, it, it there's so many things that could happen, and none of it's good. And I think they they knew obviously it was better to help her because she's going to figure out a way. She would have, I think, figured out a way regardless of Charlotte and Mm -hmm. Jonah helping her or not. And she doesn't seem suicidal. Like she still seems to have some forethought in in her actions. She changes the license tag on her truck. She gets a clean gun Mm -hmm. from Frank Jr. She's not without some forethought about what she's doing. She's she although her actions are pretty like I don't care what happens to me she is being somewhat smart about what she's doing and her talk with 3 was really heartbreaking yeah poor 3 I know we're forgotten 3 She's watching Wendy and Marty kind of setting up their businesses and I think she yeah. was thinking you know this is what should have been happening for Wyatt and me instead mm-hmm. I think was that a house that Wendy and Marty were looking at for themselves? It wasn't clear to me. 
Well, because weren't they supposed to be moving back? Like they're they're instructed to like leave the Ozarks and go back to Chicago. So I I believe so. I believe that was. And so they were looking at this big mansion, beautiful house, Mm -hmm. beautiful suburban areas. I'm sure right off around Chicago. Yep. I thought it was interesting that when Ruth has her fantasies about killing Javi, and then she has one about killing Marty and Wendy, we don't actually see Marty getting shot. We definitely see Wendy getting shot, but then we see her shooting and you see Marty, but you don't see him actually being shot. I thought that was interesting. Yep. Yeah, that's a good point. My last note, super short and sweet, but something maybe not so sweet, dark maybe, is about karma. Javi called Marty, which we talked about earlier, with instructions to go clean up the mess and then to schedule that meeting with Claire in Chicago. Marty asks him why. And I thought it was interesting. This isn't my main point, but just while I'm mentioning it, I thought it was really interesting the tone that Marty took with Javi. He's like, why the fuck would you do that? I was like, dang. I mean, I get it, but I'm like, dude, don't forget who you're talking Mm -hmm. to. And, you know, I don't really think taking a tone with Javi, uh, especially after you just murdered someone, has that kind of attitude. But I was, I thought, wow, that that was a little bit of unexpected, I thought, emotion from Marty there. But anyway, he calls him and he's like, go clean up this mess. Marty asks him, why did you do that? And he says, my uncle should have done that when she killed Dell. And that takes you mm-hmm. all the way back to season one. And I, I think what's interesting about this show is this ripple effect actions have. And when you think that it wasn't just one thing or something in particular recent that got Darlene killed, it went all the way back to season one. Mm-hmm. That this is what it was tied to. And that she signed her death warrant all the way back in season one. And that's why... He did it. He's like, you know, my uncle should have done this a long time ago. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, and I I think that's true. I don't know. I I don't have specific examples. Maybe if I go back and I mean, I don't know, thinking about all the deaths in the show and how everything is like this web, spider's web of, you know, how everyone, everyone and everything is tied together and how this has affected this and so on. But it's just a little scary to think about the rest of the season, I guess, to think about how the rest of this, because I'm not watching ahead, you know, I should tell everyone while we will talk about obviously, the previous seasons and the first half of season four, I'm not watching ahead. So me neither. Oh my God, it's so hard too. I mean, just, (laughs) I mean, we talk about every time we cover a, a show on Netflix, and some are a little bit easier to you know, okay, yes, I can turn that off and I can go to something else and distract me. But it's very hard to mm-hmm. distract myself away from Ozark because it's so intriguing and and yeah. you just you really want to see what, what unfolds next. So I'm not watching ahead. I've only watched – I do, do worry we were t- talking earlier about – like looking up news or something to try mm-hmm. and report here on the podcast and getting, you know, potentially spoiled because it's all released at once. I, I may have seen something. I don't know yet. It might happen or it might not. You never know when you see something on a search thinking about, I, I worry about how it's going to unfold. What might happen mm-hmm. to some of our characters that ties something all the way an action they could have taken in season one could be their fate come back on them in this last half. I do think it's going to be quite, quite a ride especially now that Javi's dead in episode one Mm -hmm. or not episode one but episode eight I'm thinking episode one of the second half he's gone right so now all that's going to be left is this I think this train wreck Mm -hmm. of events that we're going to deal with that and everything that's going to come come from that it's not like they waited right to have all of this kind of unfold I really worry based on that line and when he explains why he did it I'm like oh shit that was all the way back in season one karma 
And I'm sure for Javi, that seemed like weakness on his uncle's part. Yeah. You let them get away with killing one of us. Yeah. That probably felt weak. Mm -hmm. And he was having problems with the cartel at that point anyway. So that's not good to show that weakness. I agree. Agreed. So yeah, I definitely think when you think of all the things that have happened since season one and how it could affect what could happen in this last half and wrapping up the series um, and not just, not just current events, but past events. Right. Could play a part in, in, in everyone's fate. Oh, that was good. That was my, my final point, but I, I have a couple of notes. Um, did you have any that you wanted to? You can go first. Oh, well, okay. I only have a couple. <laughs> one though is, is, it's a question. Where is Zeke? So he was in the front seat with her for a while. I was thinking maybe he left her with Jonah and uh, Charlotte, maybe. Maybe. Because when she drove, I assumed he was still with her when she drove to Charlotte and Jonah's to the hotel to get her money and talk to them. So I thought maybe she might have left him with them. Mm Mm-hmm. But we didn't really see much of him except he was on the front seat with her at some point during her rampage from finding out that Wyatt and Darlene had been killed. Right, because he was in the car with her when she left and you mm-hmm. could hear him crying in, in the in the car. So And she had the car seat in the front seat right. next to yeah, her. The big, yeah, the big, big no-no. I don't know how big, big he is, but I'm guessing <laughs> yeah. he's not ready for the front-facing. <laughs> anyway, shouldn't be he in the front seat anyway. He wasn't front-facing. He was rear-facing. Definitely needs to be in the back seat. Just safety. (laughs) Um, But why would Ruth know that? Right. But anyway, side point. Maybe it wasn't necessary, but it was just kind of odd to like, Mm -hmm. they they made a point for us to know that she took Zeke with her. He was with her uh, when she left the house. But when this episode started, didn't see or hear him or any kind of note like here, just even just here, keep. Keep Zeke. Right. Can you, can you take care of him? Right. It's just like a little, you know, to kind of tie that off, I guess, a little bit. would have. She really helped. didn't interact with anybody else in this episode. So I'm thinking right. that's where he had to have been. I, that would probably be a good, mm-hmm. good point. Jonah um, liked Zeke. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. He helped take care of yeah. him a little bit when he got involved with, with Ruth's business mm-hmm. and Darlene and Wyatt. So, yeah, maybe. I just thought it was like, well, can what happened to the baby i'm wondering do you think the voicemails that ruth left wyatt will come back on her no i she kept calling him and leaving voicemails i think that was just her way of processing yeah so sad i think it was a missed opportunity you you mentioned it earlier when ruth confronted uh marty and wendy and uh, claire at dinner she's like well you told me that you that he was on a plane to mexico when he said i lied marty then looks mm-hmm. at ruth and says you said you were going home that was a missed opportunity they should have had her say i lied in that <laughs> in that same mm-hmm. <laughs> in the same delivery that that wendy provided to her i think it was still fitting that line that she's like no you told me to go home i think that was still kind of fitting but i was like oh that's kind of a missed opportunity i think i would have liked it better had she Mm -hmm. said i lied right some lines i really loved her impersonation of charlotte on the phone when she called shaw medical yes (laughs) yeah i mean she because if you if you watch julia garner in any uh interviews or when she's speaking um as herself as julia garner she doesn't talk like ruth you know that's that's an accent that she has um you know done for the character which i think is 
brilliant. I think it's definitely fitting for her character and in, in the region that she's in. And she's brilliant. And if you haven't watched her, I haven't been able to finish it yet because I've had so many shows on my list and things I've had to complete as of like for podcasts and stuff. But I, I started her limited series that she was on Netflix, uh, Inventing Anna. Have you had a chance to watch I that? I want to see that. I would and recommend I, it. I, I think... I think I turned on the first episode, but I've got so many other things I'm watching. I know. But I really, I've heard it's good. I really want to see it. It is. I'm only up on episode three, so I haven't been able to finish it. But it was, and it's not, like I said, lack of interest. It really is just like there's been so many other priorities that have taken place. But anyway, she takes on a very interesting accent and, you know, her speech inflection in that show that's just... When you watch her in Ozark and then you hear her in interviews, you watch Inventing Anna and you're just like, this girl is so special. And gosh, what was it? Um, it was like either Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon. I do not remember because I don't watch them, but I saw a clip of her uh, on an interview, one of those late night shows. And they asked her about her accent on Inventing Anna. And so she's just talking and they're like, how did you develop this? And where did you come up with this? And she just, she's like, well, you start with this. And she starts talking in an accent and then she merges that into another accent. And then that evolves into something else. And she keeps like her, as she's talking, her accent just keeps like evolving and developing. And she just, wow. I'm just watching. I'm like, oh my God, this girl's so amazingly talented. I love that she just kind of thought about it for a minute and just immediately went into Charlotte's and impersonation of her. That's just something I think Julia Garner's amazing at. I liked her line when she's talking to Marty. She says, fuck off, Dr. Phil. <laughs> yeah. Ruth has the best one-liners in, in the show. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's the show so heavy and intense. Um, but mm-hmm. she gives like these little moments of like where you can kind of laugh for a, you know a few seconds um, to take off some of that intensity. And then you mentioned it earlier that line where she's like, "God, I used to love to hear you fucking talk to, to mm-hmm. Marty." Thought that was that was intense. She she was in a short film called The Assistant. I don't know if you've mm. seen that, but it's really mm. good. It's it's different. It's definitely a slow burn. It doesn't have much of a soundtrack. Okay. So that makes it a little odd. Mm-hmm. But it's it's really good and she was great in it. Interesting. Well, she mm-hmm. was in uh, another Netflix show and we covered it way back whenever it came out, Sean, uh, Sean and I, called Maniac on Netflix. It I don't think it got very much buzz. I'm not even sure anyone really mm-hmm. listened to us. And I might have mentioned it when we did our recap. But she was in that. She was a side character. But... Just the short time that she was in that show. I mean, we talked endlessly about as we were covering that each episode and and she was in each episode, um, her brilliant performance. I mean, it was a small part in a side character, but it was like she stood out. Like Mm -hmm. she was definitely, definitely her performance was amazing. And when I saw her in that, I was like, wow, she is something. And then when Ozark came to be and I saw that she was in the cast, I was like, I will watch. I mean, obviously Jason Bateman, I'm a huge, huge fan and have been forever because I remember watching him way back on Little House on the Prairie back in the day. (laughs) Yeah, I just love Jason Bateman. So I would have watched it just for him alone. But it really interested me when I saw her. I was like, she's amazing. I'll definitely watch it with her in it. So she's she's definitely amazingly talented. Mm -hmm. She deserves all the awards and I really hope she gets some amazing work thrown her way yeah um, now that Ozark's wrapped up and that's all my points just a couple little notes there I know that you had started talking about the music Mm -hmm. 
So this this episode has this album, which is Illmatic. Illmatic, Ill- sorry. Illmatic, yeah. yeah. Okay, Illmatic, that's right. I had to go back to my house. I, I, yeah, that's my bad. I'm not, again, I'm not a hip-hop rap fan at all, so I'm... I, I like some ignorant. of it. It's certainly <laughs> nothing I know a lot about. I mean, I'm an Eminem fan. I don't know if that, I guess that qualifies. I love, yeah. love, love Eminem, and I'll listen to him all day. But as far as like, am I, have I been exposed to all of these brilliant and poetic hip-hop rap artists no i'm very very limited so that's my bad and i apologize to any fans of that album (laughs) i thought some of the lyrics that were playing while she was in the car were really correlated to what was happening some of it was for sure it's time let's begin and any day could be your last in the jungle life's a bitch and then you die hand me a nine and i'll defeat hose I had my text on the screen. Those really jumped out at me as being important to her state of mind at the time. And I think also that that was something that she had probably listened to with Wyatt or talked about with Wyatt. So it was heavy on her mind. I think that when they were playing their game, and I think there's a name for that game, and I I don't remember what it is right off the top of my head but it sounded like they were naming an album and then naming they were having to name the first track okay from the album and they mentioned Illmatic yes when they were playing their little game so it sounds like something they probably did listen to or they were both a fan of I'm sure but yes I think that was a really good point I also watch the show with captions just because it helps me Mm -hmm. pick up on details and oftentimes when maybe you're not quite hearing or when they're very soft-spoken sometimes not in this show in particular but some shows kind of soft-spoken I miss the details or what was said um so yeah I agree the lyrics were definitely kind of following along with where she was as she's angry sad or wherever she was in that point in the show as she's going through this journey was very spot on they ended it very well too there at the end with the last piece of the lyrics tied it in with the title of the show episode i thought the killer mike cameo it was it was really good she was connecting with him and she hasn't connected with anybody in a long time yeah she smiles for the first time mm-hmm. and we haven't seen her smile in a long time and i i get what she was saying it was naz wrote this amazing album performed this amazing album because of what he had been through in his life. Yeah. And if he was given the choice of not having gone through those things and not making that album, would that have been the choice that he made? And I think that's Ruth's making that same kind of decision or thinking about those options in her life. Yeah, I agree. It's sad. It is sad. It's sad thinking about, and he, he says, well, if you have to ask the question, you know, and kind of leaves it hanging out there. And it's like, yeah, would, would she trade, you know, all of the heartache that she's been through? Right. It's sad. Do you think that was, and I don't know where I lean. I think it was real, but do you think it was real or was she daydreaming, hallucinating that interaction with Killer Mike? I guess I didn't think about that, but now that you say it, it did almost seem pretty daydreamy. Yeah. Now that you say that. He doesn't seem surprised at the conversation and he connects with her really instantly mm-hmm. and quickly and almost like he knows what she's thinking. So it's hard to say. Although yeah. 
you know, they were in Chicago. Yeah. 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 I, I think it's totally possible because right. I, I don't know where Eileen, I don't know. I, I yeah. don't know that I've settled myself, but I thought about, it. I was like, well, we see so many scenes uh, where she's daydreaming and yeah. Know, and it felt real like, man, when she was charging up to Javi that first time and, or at least in her daydream that first time. And I was like, Oh shit, she's going to run in the middle of the street. Um, but Oh, it, it, never mind, Psych out, you know? Um, and then in that scene with, Marty and Wendy, I thought, oh my gosh, what is she doing? I think when she actually pulled the trigger, I realized, oh, she's got to be daydreaming. But she kept yeah, having several of those scenes. So I just wonder if, you know, and it, right. I think it could have. I, I just was mm-hmm. kind of curious because that was kind of something that happened to her. And we know she was totally sleep deprived. She wasn't sleeping. Yeah, she hadn't slept in days. Yeah. Because this all took place in like two or three days because there were several nights Mm-hmm. I mean, there's obviously the the day she found Darlene and Wyatt, and then the ni- next night where she is in the little diner, mm-hmm. and then she kills Javi the next night. So that's like 72 hours yeah, or something like that, and she hasn't had any sl- I I know what sleep deprivation is like, and I would have gone crazy well before that. Yeah, for sure. Messes with you. The only other note I have is how many times will Wendy and Marty's plans be screwed up by Jonah and Charlotte before <laughs> they figure out that maybe they should talk privately? Yes. <laughs> I think we might have mentioned something about that on the recap. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Should you just not have these conversations for the kids? <laughs> yeah. Jonah's actively defying them mm-hmm. at every turn. Sabotaging and yet they them. still... <laughs> have all these conversations in front of him. Yeah. Like, you know, he is extremely (laughs) displeased with you. And that's probably saying it very mildly. uh, But he's very much looking to undo everything that you're doing. Yeah. Why won't you be? Why can't you be just like, we're going to go outside and have some mom and dad talk for a minute, you know? (laughs) Right. And Wendy is so unrealistic. She's like, Jonah, Mm -hmm. Jonah, we're just talking about Ruth getting killed. Can you give us a second? Yeah. I know. It's the worst. For me, anyway, I just kind of laugh like, oh, my God, are they really having this conversation? (laughs) Yeah. Kids. Is this really happening? Just dinner talk, you know? So we haven't talked about this before, but at the beginning of every Ozark episode, they don't really have an intro, Mm -hmm. but they have the symbol. Yes, the symbols. Yeah, we haven't really talked about that much, have we? Yeah, that comes with the four symbols Mm -hmm. that always seem to have something to do with the show. In this one, the four symbols are a urinal, which we know what that is. Yep. A hoodie, which Ruth wore for most of the episode, Mm -hmm. trying to uh, be discreet, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. A large dog. At one point, she saw two giant dogs in the street. And then when she got out and looked at them, they weren't there. I think they were bobcats. Oh, really? I think they were bobcats. And I think that she hallucinated them, which, again, goes in with what we were just talking about. You know, mm-hmm. she keep, I don't really think there were bobcats in the middle of Chicago. Mm-hmm. I don't think. I mean, strange things have happened, but I'm thinking no. So I think she did hallucinate them. We know she's been daydreaming. Just kind of talked about, do, do we really think she had the run-in with Killer Mike in the cafe? Right. I think there were bobcats. And way back, was it season one or two? Was it season one when her uncles got the bobcats thinking they were going to have some brilliant scheme of breeding the bobcats to make money or something, and they ended up getting <laughs> I don't two. remember that. Yeah, they got uh, two female bobcats. 
because she's like, Ruth was like, what the hell are you doing now? You know, they, she comes home and there's this pen and there's two bobcats and they're like, oh, we're going to breathe bobcats and sell them to the, like, the tourists or something, you know? <laughs> and she's like, they're females. They're both females, you dumbass. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. totally paraphrasing here, but that's essentially what it is. They weren't even smart enough to think about getting a male and a female to do it. But that's what it reminded me of was, and I'm not sure what that meant or if that's what the intention was to kind of tie it back to that, but they look like, they look like bobcats to me. And I think that's what it was. It's hard to tell those symbols. Sometimes I look at them and I'm like, what, what, what is that? What is that? Yeah. Um, the, it's hard to tell. The fourth symbol looked like an exit ramp of a highway. And she spent a lot of time on the she highway was on and the, the interstate road. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think and it looked it like it could possibly also be in the shape of a number four, but I wasn't sure. Ooh, I didn't pick up on that. Maybe yeah, I was thinking interstate and yeah, the exits. Cause we know she was mm-hmm. on, she spent, a, we spent a lot of time with Ruth on the interstate. We know she got off at Kansas city to go see Frank jr. First and then on mm-hmm. her way to Chicago. So I thought that's, what it was too. I spend sometimes too much time trying to figure out what the hell those symbols are half the time. Um, yeah. <laughs> watching this show. I love how they do that. I think I didn't even realize they were different for a while. Mm. It takes a little bit. Yeah. Did. Yeah. But that's it for me. That's awesome. That was a good combo for that episode. Oh gosh. I'm glad that we've, that we've gotten to send our belt and go watch the next one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I might watch it tonight, depending. I know. I know. Right. That's I was going to do some gardening, but it's raining. So I think maybe that's a good excuse. I, I'll watch the next one. I, I think that's the better plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait till it's done raining. Go garden later. Isn't it better yep. to garden after the rain? I think my grandmother used to say that it was better to garden um, after it's the messier. rain. messier. Makes the dirt softer, <laughs> easier to work with. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's very true. You can tell I'm not a gardener. I don't like being yeah. a gardener. <laughs> so for news for this episode, I just had a little blurb from the website Decider. And this talks about the cameo of Little Mike. And it says, who is the rapper that Ruth meets in season four, episode eight of Ozark? Ruth meets Killer Mike from the popular rap duo Run the Jewels. Killer Mike made his debut in the rap scene after being featured in a few Outkast songs. He then went on to release a number of full-length albums of his own before teaming up with producer LP. Mike is also known for his activist work advocating against social inequality, police brutality, and systemic racism. Why was Killer Mike featured in Ozark? Ozark showrunner Chris Mundy, who penned the script for the episode, is a self-proclaimed Killer Mike fan. This wasn't the rapper's first involvement in the show either, as Mike's music has already appeared in the end credits of a number of episodes. If you recall, Run the Jewels song, Ooh La La, played directly after the gruesome murder of cartel lawyer Helen Pierce at the end of season three. Interesting. Killer Mike has said, Playing Run the Jewels in the season finale as someone's brain gets blown out is fucking cinema. Hell yeah. Upon the announcement of his cameo, Mike told Billboard, I went from waiting to find out what happens next to being part of it. Sounds like he was enjoying that. Yeah, sounds like he's a little bit of a fan himself. And that would be so fun to be a fan and then get to be a part part of it. Oh my gosh, I can't imagine. Yeah. I thought his cameo was really sweet, too. Yeah, I I good. liked it. And I saw a lot of, uh, like, mixed things, um, you know, fans having mixed feelings about it. Some said it kind of took him out of it. 
a little bit watching that scene, but I don't know. I thought it was a good way to kind of connect where, Mm -hmm. where Ruth is at a little bit. It gave us that information, I think, to, like we were talking about earlier, where she kind of views herself being on the outside of things and on the other side of where, you know, Marty and Wendy are over here and she's over here and, you know, and also about the regret of, or is there regret? Is, was it worth to go through these things and Mm -hmm. have this heartache? So I think it was a good, good way to kind of put it there. So I don't know. I didn't mind it so much. And the more I think about it, the more I am thinking about what you said. It does seem very fantasy-like. Mm-hmm. I, I'm really leaning towards that. Yeah, and I don't think I and saw... And if you think about that, it doesn't take you out of it. Right. Because it... she was having other fantasies and... Right. Yeah, so maybe... And I didn't read anything that said one way or another. Like, because mm-hmm. again, I, I'm not trying to read up on a whole lot of news. and yeah. what Because if you look up one thing, they're not going to talk about one episode. They're going to talk about the entire half. They're going to talk about all the episodes. So I haven't looked up anything because I obviously don't want to be spoiled. So I don't know if that's been confirmed or if the, if, the, if anyone's even asked the writers or showrunners, was that intentional? Was it, was it real or was she, you know, fantasizing that because she's sleep deprived? But I don't know. I thought it was just something to, to think about. So yeah, maybe that does help if you think about it in that way. It doesn't take you out of it. Yeah, we'll have to look it up when the whole show is over. <laughs> we'll, we'll report back after yeah. <laughs> after the show wraps. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and move into our listener responses. All right. So first one is from Angie Hill Reynolds. She says, just binged part two. No spoilers, but it did not disappoint. Can't wait to hear the podcast on this show. Oh, thank you. Alma Contreras says, oof, what an episode. I really liked how they showed Ruth struggling with her decision to kill Javi. I really was shocked that Javi, Javi met his demise. Bye, boy. <laughs> and can we talk about freaking cold lion ass Wendy? Yes. Mm-hmm. Look forward to listening to y'all's thoughts. Thank you, Alma. Thank you. Pig Allen, my fearless co-host, and will soon be joining us. I'm hoping on some episodes here now that he's finally caught up. I can't believe he's caught up. He's really been binging. He's went on a binge tear uh-huh. with Ozark to get caught up so he can join us. So um, we're, we're happy to hear that. So let's see what yes. Pig has to say about this first episode. Um, he says, as bad as it's going to make ever, or I'm sorry, let me start over. As bad as it's going to make things for everyone, I feel so relieved that Javi is dead. I literally felt nothing but intense dread every time he was on screen. He was terrifying. Also, Killer Mike on Ozark. That's awesome. I was almost excited as Ruth to see him in that diner. Ha ha. Also, I looked up how long it is to drive from Lake Ozark to Chicago since many characters seem to make that drive very often. It's over seven hours. Dang. Lots of time for Ruth to stew on things on the way there. Plus the three hours out of the way to swing by Kansas City for a gun. Yeah, yeah we, they make it look so easy. I know. I thought about that too. Um, Chicago for me is six hours, and I thought I'm within so many hours of Lake Ozarks, and I was like, it's got to at least be if it's six hours for me, it's got to at least be seven or eight for them, and it sounds like that's about right. So I'm curious to see what Pake thinks also about whether or not the Little Mike scene is yeah a uh, killer Mike, not Little Mike. Sorry about that. The killer Mike scene is is fantasy or not? Yeah, I want to hear what he thinks, and and I want to hear what our listeners think too. If anyone else yeah. mentions that too, Lindsay Schlicht says, "Damn, it's Ozark." So I should have known better, but I actually thought she wasn't going to do it. 
This was a fantastic episode. I was practically crawling the walls from the tension. I know it's going to cause so many problems, but I'm glad Javi is gone. He was annoying as hell, and Ruth was right. Wendy has become soulless. She was downright disturbing to me in this episode. This is going to be a crazy ride. So glad you guys are covering it. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you, Lindsay. Always happy to hear from you. Don Elizabeth says... Hi, all. I'm glad you're covering this. I admit, I'm glad Javi is gone. He was one scary dude. I'm not sure how his death will affect everyone. I actually thought that Ruth might kill all of them. Claire knows who she is, and it looks like there's no more BS between Wendy and Ruth. Ruth is so upset about Wyatt that who knows how far she'll go. I'm going to miss Wyatt. Also, just a comment on the preview you did for Ozark. Wendy was mentioned, and I wanted to say that I love the way her eyes light up when she's actively selling her BS to someone. You could really see how good she is with facial expressions in this episode when she was interacting with Ruth. Looking forward into listening to the podcast. Thanks. Yeah, we mentioned that too when she was kind of had that little switch from her interaction there with Ruth to then calling Javi. Yeah. She's just Laura Lenny, damn it. She's she good. is killing it. Yeah, she's so good. And we hate Wendy, but we love Laura. We love She's Laura. Amazing. I know we're able to make that distinction between characters and the actors that play them. Um, yeah, Laura Lenny is just absolutely killing it. She deserves again. The acting on the show is just amazing. And what a great juicy role for her oh it's gotta be so fun to her to, I mean it, uh-huh. she's a deplorable character but it's gotta be so fun just to kind of dig and and play oh, this yeah. type of character you know dig you deep. don't you don't get many female roles like that we're definitely getting more than ever yeah and it's so enjoyable to watch so I'm really excited about that and she is just doing an amazing job sure is okay thank you everyone so much for <clears throat> the feedback and thank you for because I know lots of folks do like to watch ahead and binge and that's totally fine. I'm probably going to put up uh, after we since we've now covered this first episode, we wanted to get something out pretty quick um, because we know it's out already. We are going to be covering it week to week, um, but feel free excuse me, to binge. If you want, I'll go ahead and put up posts now that we've covered this first one. So if you would like to comment on each one, each post for each episode as you're watching them, or if you want to watch week by week with us, if you think you can hold hold back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know it's hard, but it's totally fine if you don't. You know, we appreciate you. And if you are just going to be talking about that episode, we do appreciate <clears throat> if you're able to keep it like spoiler free and keep it to just that episode. So thank you so much. We really appreciate and And I love that you guys are excited. I know we're a little late to covering it. We mentioned it on the recap, but I'm excited that you guys are excited that, that we're doing at least this much <laughs> of it. I'm amazed that there's quite a number of people that have just binge the whole seven episodes. (laughs) I mean, you can do it. It's only seven episodes. So I don't know. I just don't want it to be over. I'm as much as I want to keep watching it. I'm also happy to kind of hold back and make it last as long as possible because this show has been so amazing that I'm sad to see it it wrap up. Mm -hmm. Although I think it's time. I think it's time you know, Mm -hmm. and all that, but there's still that part of me that I'm attached to it. I'm just sad to see it. Well, and I love to see a show that is ending when they're supposed to end and not dragging it out. God fucking dead. (laughs) (laughs) What? What was that? Um. (laughs) I love to see a show that is ending on a planned ending. Yeah, on its own terms. It makes such a difference. It makes a huge difference. If this Mm -hmm. is the story that they're, they're writing to that and it's intentional, it is mm-hmm. so much better. Is they should leave you 
wanting more. Yeah. I feel like if that's where they end, as heartbreaking as it can be to say goodbye to something, if they leave you wanting more, then that means they've ended it at, at the right time in a satisfactory way. Hopefully. All right. Well, we are excited for you to follow us to the Ozarks, but until then, you can follow us on Twitter at Strange TeaCast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash stranger TCast. You can email us at strangerthingscastpod at gmail.com. And you can also find us um, at the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts at podcastica.com and leave a review for Strange Indeed at Apple Podcasts. There's so much happening at podcastica.com. The website Mm -hmm. looks amazing. Um, I know I've mentioned it a couple of times, but in case you're listening to us for the first time, if you're just finding us through Ozark um, and you're, you're looking us up and you haven't been to podcastica yet jason's done a really great job of revamping the website and there's all kinds of cool links and features and you can even leave a voicemail and it's great there's so much coverage happening right now there's something for everyone go to the website and check it out all the different shows that are covered on podcastica because i promise you're probably going to find something they're ending their Yellow Jackets rewatch. Mm-hmm. I think they just put out episode nine and then they're recording 10. That's awesome. It is awesome. We're doing Better Call Saul right now, yeah. too, over on House Podcastica. And it does have its own uh, podcast specifically just for Better Call Saul. So you can, you know, either listen to it on House Podcastica on that feed or specifically on the Better Call Saul feed. Better Call Saul cast, I believe, <laughs> is is what it's um, called. So again, words are not my friend today. I swear I've not even had any alcohol. I've had, had two double espressos, <laughs> though. So it might be the coffee that's really messing with me today i had some coffee today yeah i'm I'm a little jacked up on some caffeine uh for sure but anyway check out the website it's amazing we just all have so much fun they're also covering moon night moon night that's yeah the that's been really great yeah they just did the penultimate episode there's one more i'm not caught up i'm through episode three but oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's really good. I've, I've been enjoying it. I'm only needing to watch this week's episode. It's just been getting caught up on everything else. And I'm also doing my Stranger Things rewatch to get ready I need for to do that. Yeah, I'm, I've decided I can't wait um, or else I won't be able to get caught up in time, mm-hmm. you know, in anticipation. So obviously we'll be covering that here on Strange Indeed when it comes back. At least the last couple I need to watch. It's always a good refresher. And, you know, watching season three, at least, if you can do that with Billy, was really great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Billy. Mm-hmm. Well, at least next uh, for us, until that returns, we are going to be covering season four, episode nine, titled Pick a God and Pray. Oof. Yeah, that I looked intense. at the names of all the episodes, mm-hmm. and... It has me really freaking out. Like, Are they all pretty ominous? Yes. <laughs> I haven't looked. Yes, I haven't looked. they're all very <laughs> ominous. Yes, oh, that's geez. exactly it. Well, we know that, right? We know it's it. Happening. But... Yeah. Oh. All right. That's our show. Thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Wendy. And Sarah Krepser is strange indeed. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. 
we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.